Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Boy Show with Michael McDonald and a very special guest. We have Kevin Dunlap joining me today. Kevin, thanks for being a guest on the show. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Kevin is a Las Vegas-based business coach and he specializes in helping people build a career around what they are most passionate about. So, so Kevin, I thought we'd, we'd start with your background if that's okay. So could you share with us where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Well, I was born in a small town. Uh, it was called Pace, Florida, which is about 10, well, about 15 miles outside of Pensacola, Florida. And I guess for these in the UK, they'd be probably around 30, 32, 33 uh, kilometers outside of Pensacola. Um, Pensacola and Pace, I'm growing, growing up in a small town. Uh, this was back in the 60s and 70s and early 80s. We had one red light one grocery store, one post office, one zip code. I mean, we were a really, really small town. And grow, grow, and, but the thing is, it wasn't like, it wasn't a small enough town that we, I was growing up on a farm. We did have uh, the, this, the, those amenities, but it was still that small town life. Uh, I don't know about your listeners, but when you're growing up in a town like that, and there's only one elementary school, one middle school or junior high school and one high school, the people you're going to school with, let's say from starting in first or second grade are the people you're graduating high school with. And a very few people, uh, there'll be people that would come and people that would go, but, this, but you, you're growing up with the exact same people. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting from what I see today where uh, here in Las Vegas, somebody could be zoned for one elementary school, and then when they go to the junior high school, they're going to a different school. So you you have to get new. You're read. You're making new friends that way. But growing up in the small town, you had those friends for for your entire school uh, lifetime. And then when I finally graduated high school, I decided because Pensacola was actually a a navy town. I actually decided to go into the into the, mili- into the military, and I, so I joined the United States Navy, where I was actually got the opportunity to see the world. I mean, literally, what they say and they broadcast in the Navy, come you know, join the Navy, see the world. I did. I saw fourteen countries when I was in the Navy. So it was phenomenal, phenomenal eye-opening experience going from the small town to seeing how the world actually operates. All right. So it was more of, was this something that you, you always wanted to do? Or was it more of a, was it like dropped on you a little bit? Or did you always have that in mind? For the Navy? Um, it was at that time, because I, I joined in 1985, in November 85, and at that time, I just wanted to get away from uh, get away from town. I just wanted to get out of Pensacola. I wanted to get away from home. I really didn't have an idea about going to college at that time. And therefore, I said, you know what? The best thing to do is join the military. All four branches were available to me at that time. And I decided, to, to, for the most part, for the Navy, because it was what I was kind of familiar with, because that was what... Um, uh, that was what was based in our in my town. However, also, I realized like if I joined any other services, and this is an 18 year old boy thinking about this, if I joined any of the other services, only the Navy would uh, give me the opportunity to see multiple countries. If I was to join the Army, the Marines or the Air Force, most likely, 
if I got stationed in, let's say, uh, in, in South Korea, most likely I'm going to be at that base for the entire two years. However, if I got stationed and was in the Navy and I was uh, home ported in South Korea, well, ships don't just stay in port. They go to sea. So that means I would, I would actually get to go to these places like Japan or Indonesia or the Philippines or what have you. And I knew that going in. So that's why I joined the Navy. Plus, the Navy at that time had a very difficult program called the Nuclear Power Program, and I qualified for that as well. So I went in to the, into the Navy to actually to go into the Nuclear Power Program, that, which was at that time, it was considered the most prestigious uh, uh, program out of all four of the, of the military branches. And yeah, I just wanted to get away from home for the most part and, and, do it, and basically do it in style. Right, nice. So what sort of places would you be able to recall or remember? I mean, was there anything in particular that, that stood out with the traveling that you've done? Yes, uh, two things. My, I was actually home ported in a town called Yokosuka, Japan, which is just outside of Tokyo. And I was there on two different tours on two different ships. So I was stationed there for two years on, one, on a guided missile cruiser. And then another two years on another ship, which was where the Admiral of the 7th Fleet was, was um, on the ship that he was on. So it's just seeing Japan and learning how to get around in a country pre-cell phones. So we don't have Google Translate or anything like that. Getting around in a country where I am, uh, I'm obviously the foreigner. I do, I'm the one that stands out. I'm the minority. I don't really speak their language. And they have all these Chinese characters, which is known as the kanji. And you have to, you have to learn how to get around where... You know, people may not speak your language and you cannot just sound out the word because it's not, it's, they're not using the alphabet. So that was huge for me. The, the other thing that I recall is in 1990, when I was about to transit, uh, transfer out, this was, I think, uh, June of 1990, um, we ended up doing a, a, an Australian cruise. So I got to see five uh, ports in Australia, including Jakarta, Indonesia, and also Malaysia. So just hitting, hit, hitting Australia at that time was, was phenomenal. And for those of you that are in North America, or excuse me, in the Northern Hemisphere, both the UK where Mike is and me in, 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 in uh, the United States, June or May, June was when we were, when, when we hit Australia, that's their winter. So we went there during their winter months. So it was, it was freezing at those times. Uh, so, and that's when I really realized at that point that uh, being very cogn consciously aware that the Southern hemisphere is two seasons off from us. And I, even when I yeah, do is. my own podcast and I interview Aussies and I know, Hey, it's, it's July uh, or, or August or September when I was doing those interviews, I know it's their winter months. I know, mm -hmm. I know they probably have snow on the ground. So it's it's just interesting to 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 note that. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? How how seeing the world just makes you realize how how different everything is. And are there any are there anything that made you think that the world is is actually quite similar as well? So we we, we sort of do a bit of traveling. We realize how different everywhere is. Is there anything that surprised you in terms of how similar places were? I didn't really realize, I mean, I, I, obviously I do understand how, how similar people are, but yeah, when you're going out and you're getting off the beaten track and you see how people live in another country, especially in another country where they speak a different language, 
um, you, you do see that, the, the, that how different they are, how similar they are is, you know, uh, just how the family unit is. And then you also realize, hey, the same stories and the limitations that I have, that I heard when I was growing up are also heard over there as well. They just have a different language to it. Um, I didn't really, really realize that until I actually started doing my podcast. And but when I, when I had people on my show from Moscow, I had people on my show from the UK or from, um, from uh, Barcelona, is like, wow, you, the limiting beliefs that you have are the exact same ones that I have. Like, so, so it's not, it's not a, a cultural thing. It's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a universal thing, or at least a, a world, a worldwide thing that we all have the very similar dreams and aspirations as well as the same limitations. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I mean, is, is there anything that that you kind of think about, you know, I'm assuming you've gave a little bit of thought on this with the business coaching work that you do as well. Is there anything that you maybe thought about where that came from? Well, as far as the business coaching, um, the reason... <clears throat> The reason I started doing the business coaching is I've seen, and also even in myself, of not uh, people living their lives, going through uh, their lives, and then when they are on their deathbed or near retirement, whatever, they look back and they look they look at back at their life with a lot of regret, saying, "I wish I would have done that." Or back when I was in my twenties or in my thirties, I wish I would have started that business, and then that's when I realized just how unhappy people are in their in the corporate world and it doesn't matter which country you're in most people have a tendency to not like their jobs not that they're working i think i, I think i've read a study one time that said something like over 80 percent of uh, of the workforce and it doesn't matter the country over 80 percent of the workforce are, are people that are unhappy with their with their jobs and that's why i started doing the coaching business is what, what, what is your dreams? What is your aspirations? What is it? What is it that you're passionate about? Then can you build a business around that? I mean, number one, is there a marketplace for it? And are there going to be people that be willing to spend, uh, spend money on it? And if there is, well, now let's get started in building that, uh, building your, your dream and your desires. I'd be, I'd be curious to see like what, events actually led up to you transitioning from the military to the business coaching i mean was there anything in between that but what was oh. the the main events that led up to that oh there's been so many things because um, i'm kind of like a jack of all trades i've done quite a few different things when I, when I transitioned out of the Navy back in 1990, I decided to go ahead and go on to college and where I ended up becoming a math major. I got my, uh, my bachelor's degree in mathematics and then I did three years of graduate study in meteorology. At that time, I was doing a lot of uh, computer work um, to to uh to, to you know to, to, while looking at the weather patterns and how they how they went which caused me to, when I got out of grad school, which I never did get my master's, um, I ended up becoming a computer programmer for a few years. Now, Mike, you might be a little young to, to remember this, but some of your older uh, listeners may remember something known as, or at least it wasn't, it was a huge deal in the United States, something known as Y2K, 
which uh, which is that's when in computer language in in the U.S. we had all of our years uh, based upon a two-year system. So they got 1991, 92, 93. But when we were going to go into year 2000, that meant all the computer programmers would go back to zero zero, and the computers would think it's 1900, not 2000. So that was a huge, huge fear thing that went on for years here in the U.S. So I was I was actually a Y2K programmer which after getting downsized, and this is probably the most critical thing that happened in my life, after getting downsized, and I want to say downsized in, a, in not a, a good way, and downsized in, means getting fired, getting laid off. I don't, sure, I don't exactly call how you say it in the UK. Um, getting canned, I believe. Um, <laughs> after that happened, I swore that I would never work for, in that time, corporate America ever again full time. And I never did. So that was probably the first event that got me into the whole business coaching is your job is not secure. Yeah, you, even though you're here in the U.S., if you're going to leave a job, you have to give, like I say, a two weeks notice. But they don't have to give you a two weeks notice that they're going to be going to be firing you. So I thought that was kind of unfair. Um, after that, I did work kind of for corporate America, but part-time as a, as a beach bartender. I was also a college math teacher. And at the same time, I was also doing uh, stunt work for independent films and, and for stage productions. So I was, I was training to be a stuntman wow. and a stunt coordinator. And that in 2004, or in the end of 2003, I made the decision I was gonna move to Las Vegas where I would start doing uh, or continue doing some real estate investing. I'd already been doing it for since 2002, moved out to Vegas and I started my own business out here as a, basically an investment consultant where I was helping people uh, get, do something known as a rent to own or at lease option, which is how you get into a house when you don't have the credit to actually get a loan at that time at the time that you want to get in. And I did that for multiple, multiple years. And then eventually became a real estate agent or an estate agent, I believe is what you call them, in uh, 2012. Now, that's, you know, that's my transition there. In 2010, I started taking a lot of personal growth and personal development classes. And I don't mean just reading books and, and, and um, watching videos. I mean, actually going to an actual and a class where you, you, you have your classmates and that class could last two, three, four, uh, five days long. So coming with the concept of the whole personal development, working on myself, working on how I think, working on my mindset, working on these things, my belief patterns, as well as the whole idea, I don't want to work for corporate America. And I hadn't since 2003. That was the last time I actually had a, had a paycheck from, from a company. Um, I've been self-employed since. And now you know, I've been doing this for so many years. I just, and I, as I already said before, seeing the people not achieve what they want you know this is, you don't have to depend upon that job let's let's find out something what you're passionate about and let's build something around that let's let's get you you know let's make monday morning nine o'clock a.m your favorite time of the day or your favorite <laughs> time of the week so like yeah. if you if you could say that if you say five o'clock on a friday then obviously you don't enjoy your job if you could say nine o'clock on a monday a.m then there's a good chance you really enjoy what you're doing so that's that's what i do <laughs> Are there any key things that you can maybe pinpoint to to help people find what that is? Because you hear you hear a lot about you know 
all this time about doing what you're passionate about, doing the things that that light you up, that get you out of bed in the morning and happy and jumping rather than struggling to wake up and, and all those sorts of things. But a lot of people struggle to actually find that. So if you've got any initial initial processes or initial questions that we can ask that can help us at least get clearer on that. Yes, I mean, I would say, because um, I know when I got into the coaching, I didn't, this was not something I had ever thought about doing before. And sometimes it's, you have to do things that are a little bit different uh, than, than you normally would uh, expect. When I, when I got into the coaching, I actually did something that, that is called a free writing exercise. Now, now Mike, have you ever heard of, of a free writing exercise before? I think I have heard of something similar, but it uh, depends on, on what you actually mean. So, yeah, talk us through okay. it. Okay, uh, so whenever I take on a new client, uh, one, of the th- and one of the homeworks I, I, that I give them is have them do this exercise. And it's a little bit woo-woo, so you have to be okay with thinking, uh, doing things that are a little bit out of the box. But essentially what it, it, it entails is get a, get a pad of, of paper, get a pen or a pencil. So you do want to, you have to write. This is not typing on the computer. So you get a, pa- a, pa- a pad and a pen or a pencil. Make sure your cell phone is turned off, you're, you're isolated from uh, any kind of distractions, and actually sit down. And what I normally do is, my name is Kevin, so I'll say the, I'll put the letter K equals Kevin at the very top of the first page. Now, it doesn't matter if you're spiritual or religious or what have you, then you put down something for the higher, the, the higher purpose or the higher being or God or Allah or uh, you know, whatever you may worship. You can call it your subconscious mind. You can call it the universe. You can call it whatever you want. That's all up to you. I would usually put down S equals self, subconscious mind or U equals universe. And what I do is once I, I distinguish those two letters is then on a piece of paper, I'll write down the letter K and then I'll write, I'll write, I'll write out a question. For an example, is anybody there? And then I'll write down, say the letter U, and I will answer myself. Now, when you're doing this, never judge what the universe or the higher self is, is saying. Always make sure that you, you, write it, you write it down as it's flowing through you. Once you start asking the first questions, then you start going into what is my purpose? What is, what is, what is, what is the world expecting of me? And you go through that for however long it's going to take. I normally suggest doing it for 30 to 45 minutes, if not longer. Um, it may seem a little weird when, you, when you're doing it, but once you're getting into the flow, you will see just how, you'll just start discovering just what is your, what is your, what, what is your body? Some people call this body testing. What is your body? What is yourself telling you? Now, just uh, the first couple of minutes, it may be a little weird. It may not be, you may be jumping around a little bit, which that is perfectly okay. But just start doing that exercise and be willing to ask yourself those questions and, and write down the answers. There was, when I first started out, I think I wrote like for nearly an hour. It was 10 pages of notes that I wrote uh, on, on this topic. And that's when I was at a class like, hey, I'm, I'm destined to be a coach. And, I, and then I also, then I would find out I was destined to be an author. This was 2004, October, 2014. I wrote my first book within four months. So I worked my second book and within two years, two years later, my second book is out and I'm just about to finish my third book. Never would have done any of those if it wasn't for that one exercise. How important would you say that not 
judging your answers was because I find that that can be something that holds people back for potentially years sometimes and it can cause a whole whole cascade of not liking your answers not thinking that other people would like your answers and it can change can change the whole game so you mentioned not not judging you know the words that you're putting down trying to let it flow rather than try and force it and all those sorts of things which i've heard of before but there are loads of people out there that do actually judge their answers and do judge themselves and do wonder if you know their answers are right if their answers are wrong if other people will think the same as them and it can turn into a bit of a mess if you allow it to so how important would you say not judging the answers was and have you got anything for us that could help us not judge ourselves well you you got because as you were just saying michael um the, the the thing is you're you're, you're going to want to let it flow now, if you're constantly turning off the tap, let's say if on a water hose or you know, you, if you're constantly turning it off, then it's, you're not going to get any good benefit from this. If you just let it flow, if you just let it flow, just see where it goes. You don't have to take the actions. I mean, after the exercise is over, you don't have to take any action if, it's, if, it's, if, you, if you don't want to do it. But if, if your body is telling you this, as it's telling you this, it's telling you it for a reason. And then the whole thing is from there is like, okay, now this is, this is what my body is telling me. Then, then ask yourself after the exercise is done, is it truly what I want to do? And I, I know for me, this isn't, I don't do this. This is not a one-time event. I mean, you could do this on a weekly basis. When I wrote my third book, I, I, it came from a free writing exercise. Like I was sitting there like, what do I want to write my book about? I know I need to write another book. What is it going to be about? And I just started, uh, and I just started the exercise, and and the third book is about mindset. By the way, Michael, I know you don't, you did not know that, and I came up with seven minds, different mindsets people have, and w- when I was doing that 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 exercise, two days later, when I went to a Toastmasters meeting, and I talked to one of my the fellow Toastmasters, like, hey, what do you think about these seven mindsets? She goes, this, she goes, that sounds great, but you forgot one, and she gave me one more. It's like, you know what? You're absolutely right. I need that eighth mindset. So that whole, that exercise got me started on the second book and or excuse me, the third book, the second book took me about 10 months to write from beginning concept to actually having a printed copy in my hand. This, this, this most recent one, the third one, it took me three weeks to write instead of, instead of nearly 10 months. So you can get it. If you let the, let it flow and don't judge it, just let it flow. You will get the. You will get quite amazing answers. And you could judge it later. I mean, you could say, "No, nah, I don't want to do that." Okay, fine. It's perfectly fine. But don't judge it as your flow. As you're in the flow. I quite like that. I quite like the the way of actually doing it first, and then judging the full result. Because very often we are judging it when it's at its worst as well. Sometimes, and mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to be as good, is it? But if you do the full the full thing first get it all done get it out there and then you can judge it afterwards and one of the things that stands out for me as well is very often if you let it flow it can 
it can actually be faster than if you tried to go too fast. Like you try to force it, you end up you end up actually going slower because it's harder for you to actually put the pieces together and connect all the dots. But if you just relax, let it sort of move as fast as your brain or your hand can move and process everything, you'll find that you get things done a lot faster. Like you said that you wrote a book in, in three weeks as opposed to 10 or 12 months, which is just a testament to the fact that sometimes trying to go too fast it means you end up too slow as a result which is quite it's quite an interesting way of putting it well it's also because uh, because when, when you're doing this exercise it's you are you're actually getting in touch with your creative self uh that's part of it where what you're getting getting in if, and i know you're not a painter or you're an artist or whatever but i'm sure if you tell any artist or any person that's that's, a, that's a, in the creative mindset you can't force creativity you have to just let it flow and that's, that's the only way that you're going to be able to, to finish the work and still have a, a heavy work that is, that is true and honest and authentic is rather than something that is forced and, and it just, it's just not going to work. So yes, let it flow. Just let it flow. And do, and do this multiple times. Do it multiple times. So, so what, what's next for you then? So I'm, I'm assuming that the business coaching is something that you're doing at the moment maybe you can elaborate a bit on that and maybe i'm wrong on that but what's what's next for you just take us to present day and then talk us through what's next well at present day i'm in the process of going through the editing process on the on the, on the third book it's called the winner's mindset for those of you that um find it on amazon here in a couple of months um the next process is right now i'm, I'm working with two different coaches myself right now and I'm looking to be building more online courses. Um, I'm also doing more speaking engagements. Uh, the third book is a lot of my speaking engagements that I'm doing now are promotions or, or, or excerpts uh, from that third book. Um, so I, I do speak on corporate stages um, as well as individual stages, as well as even at relationship uh, events where we're working on the mindset of, of the home of, of, your home environment. So, for, so what I'm doing right now for the rest of 2018, 2019 is building more online uh, evergreen products as well as uh, pro- mainly programs, mainly programs, as well as just speaking engagements. All right, cool. So what, what's the vision for you then? Where, where do you see this going? Because we're reasonably close to the end, but I'm just curious as to, as to what the end goal is for you. Have you got a vision for everything? Um, my vision is just to have everybody. Uh, my vision is to, uh, in all honesty, is to create a better, a better world. Basically, if people are doing what they're enjoying, if more people are doing that, then the harmony, the world harmony, is 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 has been increased, as well as let's just say brotherly love, as well as um, just people people getting along with each other. If you, I mean, if you're if you're happy in your home life and your business life, then that's just going to be make you happier to, uh, to the people around you. And that is just going to be a domino effect to cause even more peace and serenity. So. Sounds great. It does. It sounds, it sounds like you, you found something that, that you're passionate about and then you're sort of helping others do the same, which is, which is pretty cool. Before we get to the, the last couple of questions for you, Kevin, if someone wants to find out a bit more about you and what you've got going on, then where can people go? So it's your chance to share websites and social media and all those sorts of things. 
the easiest place for few for people to find me is just on my website and my website is just my name is kevin a the letter a dunlap d-u-n-l-a-p dot com on on there you will see some of the programs that we have i also do have a podcast called life's little lessons where i do interview uh, other people from all over the world that are entrepreneurs um so you, you can catch that on there as well the and um yeah and i've i do have free a free gift that i would be willing to give away as which is which is just kevinadunlap.com forward slash free gift and um and yeah just, just just tune in there that's i post everything onto there i do also have a facebook page and you can find just search by kevin a dunlap on facebook and you will find me on there as well all right, sounds great. Last last handful of questions for you, Kevin. Um, do you have any books that you would recommend or books that you would give to someone if they were an entrepreneur and they want to take their business to the next level? There's three books that I recommend all uh, entrepreneurs. The first one is, is called E-Myth or E-Myth Revisited, which is by uh, Gerber and the, I don't know if you've read that book, but it talks about the three different types of, of, of entrepreneurships or three different uh, parts of an entrepreneur company. And it's going, and I will admit when I first read that book, that book kind of pissed me off. I was <laughs> going to throw across the room after the first couple of chapters. Yeah. But then I realized that the book was absolutely right. And what pissed me off was, and I'll go into the other two books in a moment. Then what pissed me off in that book was, it says, if you were working a job, and they use the example of a baker, if you're working a job as a baker, and you're going to open up your own bakery business, because that's what you're, that's what you're good at. The book basically says, if you're going to do that, the chances of you failing is much higher than if you actually started a business that you had no skill in whatsoever. And it seems completely like, what? So you mean, because I'm the expert is why I'm going to fail? And the answer to that is yes, that is, that is absolutely correct. Um, and I'll just give, give a little takeaway on the book. The book breaks people down into what they call the... Um, uh, the entrepreneur, which is the business owner, there's the, man the, the manager, which is the one that manages all the people. And then there is the, um, I forget what they, the, 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 they just call it the worker, the person that, that's, uh, that's skilled in the job. If you start, if you quit a job where you're that worker bee and you start a business as that worker bee, you have no idea how to manage, you have no idea how to be an entrepreneur. And that is the reason you fail. You have to be able to give up the reins. So if you were that baker and you're going to go open up your own car dealership, you're probably going to succeed in much higher percentages of succeeding is what it says. Cause you, you will, you will find the right people instead of doing it yourself, which makes perfect sense. The second book that I highly recommend uh, is a book that I just got finished reading myself. It's called uh, building your story brand. And it talks about most people, most entrepreneurs, when they start a business, they want to be seen as the hero. They're like, yeah, look at me, look at me. I, I do all of this. I do all of that. And, that. and that goes into, that's another reason people fail is because they want to be the hero. Well, in any, in any uh, branding or any movie, there's always going to be the hero. There's going to be the anti-hero. And then there's always going to be the guide. As an example, in The Matrix, you had uh, Neo as the hero. You had Agent Smith as the anti-hero. And you had Morpheus or even... Um, the oracle as the guide. The, if you uh, approach your business as the guide instead of as the hero and make the hero your client, then that is where you will succeed. 
So, and this talks all about building your brand. The third and final book I highly recommend everybody is to get The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And I've got that on both audio as well as a printed book. And if you can do the audio, you definitely want to get the book as well. Only because in the last one third of the book, he will, he will probably go over at least a hundred different UR, uh, websites and URLs. And if you don't know exactly how he's, the, the speaker is saying the word, you may misspell it. So you definitely want to have that just to look at how do you, how do you walk, walk away from a 40, 60, 80 hour a week job and turn your, and build a successful business and where you're only working four hours a week. And that's four hours at your, at your new business. So those are the three that I, that I always highly recommend. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. I mean, the, the books are something that I've not read the e-myth, but I have heard of it. So that is something that I will probably read. And I think I've read the other two as well, which is cool. I like the, the four hour work week as well. It's something that, that I'd always recommend, particularly, I don't think it's good for if you're starting out because people tend to get the wrong impression of the book. Like they mm-hmm. think that, oh, so I'm just going to start a business and it's going to be four hours a week. And I think um, when, when I've listened to Tim or watched Tim actually talk about the book and how it's changed over time and, and the reason why he's had to write all the, the new books that he's got out at the moment is because people, people don't realize is that it takes him like years to get to a point when he then either makes things easier so he systemizes everything or he hires staff to do everything that he wouldn't do and he eventually gets to those four hours a week so I think I think to go in as a startup and go okay four hours a week I can do this I think you're kind of the wrong person to read the book I think you need to be either semi-successful or someone that's after more work-life balance as opposed to grinding all the time. I think, I think it's for those people as opposed to like people reading it and go, oh, so I just get to sit on a beach and, and run a business for four hours a week. I think that's probably the, the wrong impression. And I think the reason why Tim wrote like the Travel Mentors and the Tools of Titans and all those other books was because of that reason. I think people were starting to get the wrong impression, which is uh, it's quite strange how things change and, and adjust over time, particularly with something like a book where it's, it's one moment in time, isn't it, eventually? But when the book's put out there, then that, that's it. It kind of stands still. And people will take people will take what they want from it and they will get an impression about it either way. So, yeah, it's, it's a good book. I read it when I was in the wrong place in the business to read it. And I've also read it when I was in the right place to read it. And uh, you do get different information from it and your impression is different so i would wait until you wanted to go to like the four hours but i would probably get to a point where you're doing 40 to 60 and you are turning over enough so that you then can sort of scale everything back so yeah i think that'd be my that'd be my take on it anyway well the other reason i mean and i agree with you uh, as well on that but the, the, one of the things that he does and i think it was that book that he talks about is when, when whenever you're building your business go ahead and write out all the positions of, of your business who's your advertising person who's your marketer who's your salesperson who who's who does um payroll who does and you write all of these and and, and if you're a solo entrepreneur or as i call it a solopreneur if you're a solopreneur your name may be in all of those little spaces but now you're you need to look at this when can I replace myself in that one position? Who can I hire uh, for that? So when you're, instead of just 
taking all the work on by yourself, start figuring out how, at what point can you start delegating uh, that role to other people? That way you can scale your business because in the end, when you, whenever you're starting a business, are you doing it just to fill time for yourself or are you doing it as something that you can sell at a, at a later time? A lot of people don't build businesses that are sellable, that are not scalable. Uh, so it does, that's, that's the reason I recommend that book. And there's one other book. There's actually a fourth book that I would uh, recommend. And it's an autobiography. And the name of the book is, is always misleading. I always like saying this. The name of the, of the book is called Losing My Virginity. Now, that, was, that book was actually written by Sir Richard Branson. And it starts off about uh, how he, you know, he, he grew up very poor and how he, you know, he took a lot of risks in his life. And also the, the biggest takeaway that I got out of that book was whenever something happens, what are the opportunities that that, uh, that, that event has just made for you? Especially to, when there's a, what is going to be considered a, a conceived negative situation. And you and I kind of talked about this as well, about both of us having uh, medical things in the past. How can we turn those, th those things into positives? And that's what that book is about. Because Richard goes through all kinds of different stories, all different kinds of challenges, times that he was basically almost bankrupt, um, just, just growing the Virgin Records empire. So it's, it's very, it's a, to me, it was a very interesting read. So that's the fourth one for you. All right, cool. So one last question for you. And it's a question that I ask all the guests. So we've had answers from funny to serious to questions that I've got nothing to do with what we've spoken about. So we can blow the we can blow everything wide open with this now, Kevin. And it's what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? Um, that about me specifically that I that I, that I'm. I'm always open for a new challenges. I'm open to doing something new and different. Um, what the world doesn't know. Yeah, that, I mean, having such a varied background has, has allowed me to see and experience things from uh, so many different perspectives. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's and I would say, it's really opened my, my eyes to really understand how different people are and how just how similar we all are. Sounds good, Kevin. Well, thanks for being a guest on the show. For those of you that are listening for the first time, make sure you subscribe, make sure you share this one out. Lots of, lots of things that Kevin shared there that I think other people will need to know about. Those of you that are interested in reaching out to us and having a chat about the show, tell us all about why, why you like it, anything that, you know, if you even know someone that you would like to be a guest on the show, feel free to reach out. Make sure you do subscribe so you don't miss any of the future guests. Kevin, thanks for being a guest. I appreciate you carving out the time, and I'm sure we'll keep in touch. I'm sure we will. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, everybody.